Hey, Kingdom Community family, I want to invite you to join me on an amazing, life-changing trip this November 28th to December 7th. We're headed to South Brazil for a time of ministry and outreach and a conference in the mountains. We're going to get shut in with God. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to worship. We're going to pray until the heavens come down. This is part of our Kingdom Community outreach and what we're doing around the world. We'll also be ministering in the communities, preaching in churches. It's going to be absolutely powerful. Love for you guys to be with us. If you're interested in knowing more, send an email to admin at awakenations.org, admin at awakenations.org, or also visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Blessings. Hey guys, Glenn Blakeney here. I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Audible. Head over to audibletrial.com forward slash kingdom community and sign up for the free 30-day trial and download any audiobook that you wish. And at the end of the 30 days, if you don't continue with the subscription, the book is still yours to keep. Man, there's so many great resources on Audible. Again, just head over to audibletrial.com forward slash kingdom community. Welcome to the kingdom community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God. The kingdom community is unique in that we are not seeking to build a denomination or a religious organization. Our aim is to promote the Lord Jesus Christ, build up and equip His body, and advance the kingdom to the nations of the world. We invite you to connect with us and become part of the Kingdom Community family. We are here to stand with you and celebrate your place in the body of Christ. We need each other and we are much better together. We exist to equip you to live an overcoming life and fulfill your purpose in God's kingdom. Through our live monthly training sessions, our webinars, online courses, discipleship resources, and personal mentoring, you will be transformed and equipped to make a difference in the world. Jesus said, the harvest is great and the workers are few. The Kingdom Community is here to see you released into your calling with the full manifestation of God's blessing and favor on your life. We offer apostolic covering and relational connection. The Kingdom Community has a team of seasonal leaders who can help you with guidance, counsel, coaching, and mentoring. Ministerial credentials are also available to those who qualify. The Kingdom Community is all about 1. Creating an atmosphere of expectation for the supernatural. 2. Strategically equipping the saints of God to fulfill their purpose in the Kingdom. 3. Connecting you to people and resources for personal growth, leadership development, and collaboration in mission and ministry. To learn more and to connect with us, visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Our website again is kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. But one of the things that I really believe is happening is God is trying to bring us back to apostolic foundations. And what I mean by that is he's recalibrating the church to that place we're supposed to be. Um, based on the book of Acts, there's a few key scriptures here that I want to share. The first one is 1 Corinthians 12, 28. It says, And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. Then it says, second, prophets, third, teachers, miracles, and so on. So first of all, prophet, I'm sorry, apostles. In Ephesians 2, 19, it, it, through 22, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. And then, of course, Jesus himself, Christ Jesus, is the chief cornerstone. In Acts chapter 2, in the church in Jerusalem, it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. So the early church was an apostolic church. Of course, we believe in um, prophets and fivefold ministry. We recognize that. 
But ultimately, we have to recognize that the foundation was primarily, and the Bible even says, first of all, the Greek word proton, apostles, built on apostolic. The word apostle literally means to send forth or to send out. So tonight, we're going to be uh, discussing with our guests uh, the actual topic of apostolic centers. So we're going to be looking at apostles, um, apostolic people, and apostolic centers as well. So we have all the way, here we go, I'm going to let Dr. John back in. He got, I thought I let him in and he got locked out. But we're going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce our guests and then um, I've got a question I'm going to throw out. And each one of our guests are going to have a chance to answer that question. Okay, so first of all, I want to introduce to you guys, some of you know, um, Pastor Kevin Forlong. We call him Pastor, but in my opinion, he's Apostolic Prophetic. And he's all the way from Queensland, Australia, where it's Monday morning. We have all the way from Pensacola, Florida, we have Dr. Russ Moyer, who uh, leads Eagle Worldwide Ministries, flows in an apostolic and prophetic um, anointing, and has planted many churches, um, and has a network, is involved. And then from Dallas, Texas, we have Dr. Larry Titus, who leads Kingdom Global Ministries. And uh, he's a great man of God, very apostolic, uh, has a great teaching gift as well. And um, you know, I'm, I see that prophetic edge on his life as well. With he and his wife have uh, been around um, doing ministry internationally for a long time. So we are blessed to have them with us. I'm looking to see if I can find my good friend, Dr. John Burpee. Um, out here, hang on a sec, guys. Let me try again. I'm not sure what happened. I've clicked the button to let him in several times. Oh, here he is. Okay, so Dr. John Burpee is in the house. It looks like you're in the house twice. I get you. It says, I don't know what's going on. Ah, okay. There we go. We got two. Oh. <laughs> okay. But um, That's funny. thank you. Dr. John Burpee leads Destiny Churches and Ministries International, which I'm um, connected relationally. We've known each other for a long time. He's also pastored uh, previously, but he is really um, – as a serves in a fatherly role to um, many ministers and, and leaders in the body of Christ and just has a ministry of wanting to encourage people, build them up and pour into their lives. So we want to just welcome our guests and we're going to just start off with the first question is we're talking about the fundamental differences between apostolic centers and what we historically refer to as the church we know the word church, ecclesia, um, has a different meaning and different connotation when what typically in our many nations, what we call church, you know, we talk about going to church like it's a building, uh, going to a service and so on. But ecclesia certainly has a different uh, meaning altogether. But let's just talk about apostolic centers, apostolic people, um, apostles. Let me just throw that out. What is the primary differences between an apostolic center and, say, the church today, for the most part, that we see around the world? When we use that term, apostolic center, you know, what does that mean to you? Let me start with uh, Dr. Larry Titus, if you would go ahead, please, and just share. Thank you. I was hoping you would start with somebody else. <laughs> uh, a lot of the, the speakers, I think their microphones are, are muted, so I hope I can hear from all of them. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, if you are one of the speakers, if you go down to mute, that'd be great, because you can jump in as well. Very interesting. Um, we've heard the, uh, the uh, not only the term apostolic for the last several decades, as it relates to really wanting to see it recognized again in the church probably one of the last things to be recognized and is getting a lot of press right now i'm not sure that i've heard apostolic center bannered about nearly as often so i'm wrestling with um maybe what should i say not the possibility of it but uh the biblical foundation of it 
Right. Uh, probably it, it would take us harken back to maybe to Acts 13, I would say, whatever there was multiplicity of prophetic ministries. And obviously those that had been identified as teachers became apostolic. So um, uh, if there was a center in uh, Antioch called the Sending Center, as I've heard it say, the Mission Sending Center, uh, it certainly made an impact, not as much as Ephesus, however, but it was a sending set, uh, center. Um, I don't, I don't know. I have just, um, I have, I have had a conviction. Can I just wait on just one second before I try to answer the second, the, the real question? I have had a, a sense in the last uh, several, many, many years, that until the church recognized the. I wouldn't say um, the superiority, but the priority of the apostolic, uh, as opposed to having everybody identified mostly as a pastor. That I think that has that has literally forsaken the biblical pattern, uh, and this has been going on for centuries. So I can see God doing a whole lot right now to give us not. Um, I don't see a lot of um, uh, what should I say. I don't see a lot of uh, fingerprints on this. I think this is an activity of the Holy Spirit in preparing the church for the next step, raising up these individuals uh, all over the globe. Amazing, both men and women that are 100% apostolic. We've had them through the centuries, but I think that for the church to come into the maturity that it needs, we're going to see more and more of these, how they centralize. Uh, hopefully we don't see too many fingerprints on it. I, I, I I love to see things done organically by the Holy Spirit, and I hate to see whenever men tries to, in some way, turn it into a machine or politics. So I, I, I believe that it's happening, and I pray that it, uh, God give us understanding of it. I, I would don't even claim to be an expert on it. I just know that God is establishing the apostolic, apostolic paradigm globally right now, and I see the church really right now. It's going to, especially with the COVID thing, where we're de-emphasizing the building and emphasizing the true body of Christ, the ecclesia. I think this is going to to uh, really become more global, predominate, and uh, see the church set on a better foundation. So that's a very um, long answer to a non-answer, but uh, that's all I got for now. No, that's great. And, and I really you know, love the fact that you referred to uh, a template, so to speak, in the New Testament, Antioch, and, and also um, the church in Ephesus. And I think that's really important be, that we understand that when we talk about apostolic centers, again, there's really no reference to that verbiage being used in the New Testament. The word apostle, of course, is used, and, and the idea of being apostolic, being sending out, is, is obviously used as well. Um, but in terms of trying to just uh, use some language that would help us differentiate between the conventional church where people go to a building on a Sunday or whenever, if you're really kicking it, you might have multiple services at your church. But, um, you know, we want to make the distinction between basically the New Testament, the book of Acts, which was really apostolic, and what we're seeing today, uh, you know, by and large, the normal today. So how about Dr. John uh, Burpee? You just want to just uh, wade into this and share your thoughts. Yeah, uh, let me just recommend something. If you have, maybe some of you saw this today, but uh, Gateway Church did a presentation today of their apostolic network, which was powerful. And it is, it is so kingdom that is absolutely amazing how they're giving out. They're not trying to build a name for themselves. There's so much humility and servant leadership behind it. I mean, there's a there's an incredible model that is just forming or organically, like Larry was saying. This is something that's happening organically with these guys, and they are so humble uh, in, in what they're doing and what they're presenting. So I watched that today. I was just overwhelmed on how much they're reaching out to other churches, trying to serve them, trying to help them. They have, I sent you a link today, Glenn, on their resource library. That, that is there, all of their resources. I think it's called Gateway Resource Library. And all of those resources are available for any church, any leader out there. 
And uh, these guys are, uh, they're, they're onto something that's very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I look at, see, I came out of denominationalism, and uh, I'm not here to bash denominationalism at all, mm-hmm. but I come out of the control issues. I come out of all of that. So I, I, I've had a network, uh, Apostle John Kelly uh, encouraged me to start a network back in 2004. So I started one in 2005, and basically it was just a bunch of brothers and sisters that were like-minded, that came together, that just, uh, we just came together. We have about 140 ministers now, and my wife and I, we serve them. It's all about serving them and not building. We, we, we don't try to build anything for ourselves. All we want to do is help others be successful in their God-given purpose and helping them to move forward in what God's doing. We're not trying to raise up successors. We're trying to help people to move into their inheritance, to move into their destiny. So when we look at apostolic centers, I think we have to look at, first of all, the role of an apostle. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and the role of an apostle to me, I keep things very simple. I pastored for 25 years, and I'm all about practical application. And so uh, with us, you know, um, when I was in an organization, it was more about being tolerated than celebrated. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the folks that started coming, we were like David's army, you know, we just didn't fit in. And it wasn't like they were a bunch of outcasts or troublemakers or, or lone rangers. They just didn't fit the mold in denominationalism. So we made a choice. My wife and I made a choice that two things were going to happen in our network. And I know this is not a center, but I think the centers have to be set up the same way, is that number one, it was going to be relational, not positional. It was all based, any authority I have speaking, and I have some some folks that that are involved in the network, they're even on this call. But any authority I have in speaking in their lives comes from my relationship with them. You know, and we we don't get into the finances, the dues, and all of that other stuff. We don't make it about money. It's all about relationship, and then it's all about celebrating them instead of tolerating them. I might not agree with everybody in the network, but that's okay. But to me, when it comes to uh, apostolic, it's it's foundational anyway. It's not hierarchical. So we have to be careful of that. We have to be careful of, even in our apostolic centers, that we're not trying to build a kingdom. It has to be, it has to have a kingdom mindset. It has to have a kingdom culture that can include other streams and go in and out. Like in, even in our network, if there are people that are ordained in other networks or, or want to attach to other networks, uh, they can have that freedom to do that. It's not about control. And so, uh, and, and our network grew organically. We don't, we don't go out and try to recruit or whatever. And so, but I think if we give people something that's of value and they see that, like what Larry was saying, God's fingerprints all over it, right. they want to be a part of it. They want, they want that. And that's, I think that's what gateways are doing. So when you look at apostolic, uh, the, the role of an apostle, I see that they do move in signs and wonders. They have a father's heart. Yes. They help lay foundation, and uh, and they're strategists. Mm-hmm. I was I was in the Air Force for nine years. I was a, I was a battle staff coordinator in the Philippines in Southeast Southeast Asian Theater for three years, and uh, you know I helped establish contingencies all over the Southeast Asian Theater, and this was before I was even saved. You know I was using the God's giftings and being a strategist. And so now I love doing that now, working with, with folks, helping them with strategy, helping them to develop contingencies, vision, whatever we can do. But I think with, a, with an apostolic center, it has to have that base, that foundation of the humility, the servant. You can't be hierarchical. It has to be about helping others and not building our own, uh, our own kingdom. Good. Great. Thank you. All right, Pastor Kevin, Apostle Kevin Forlong, when we talk about apostles versus pastors, we talk about church versus, you know, apostolic centers or whatever terminology you want to wrap it with, what, what does that mean to you? What are the, some of the fundamental differences between pastors and, say, apostles and how they relate and function? 
I think Dr. John Burpee just a moment ago really encapsulated a great definition of uh, what I would understand an apostle to be. I think the, um, the big difference, I think, between pastors and uh, apostles or prophet apostles that are identified as being foundational is that pastors are gatherers, nurturers, carers, but actually apostles and prophets are break open ministries. And so they're, they're changing spiritual atmospheres. And um, I, I think Paul identifies the Corinthians and says, you know, you were within the borders of the territory that God has ordained for me. So I think apostles are conscious of geographical territory uh, that they have a responsibility and authority in relating to. And, uh, and so uh, to me, uh, an apostolic center is a reflection I think any church is a reflection of the senior leadership, the mantle, the gift and grace upon them. And so if we take uh, Dr. John's definition of an apostle, then we would expect those traits uh, to be expressed right through the church. Um, and, uh, and so we would expect that there would be an umbrella of the supernatural operating in every department, every ministry expression of the church because there's because an apostle will break open the spiritual atmosphere through spiritual warfare taking authority over the powers and strongholds of a region or a city or whatever it is and so the various members and ministries of that team find expression there uh, I, th I think um, another thing that to me would be a hallmark of an apostolic center would be the ability to identify, uh, equip and release the different five ministry gifts. Um, I see a lot of churches talk about their ministry team, but they don't have the, the expression of the different fivefold gifts because there's an inability to identify and equip and release the different expressions. And uh, so I think that's a hallmark. I think the whole thing of apostolic team where they're working together to break open a region and, to, and, uh, and, uh, and to me, it's a lot of it's about, um, as I said, a moment ago, changing spiritual atmospheres where a pastor will gather and a pastor will want to impact a whole region, a city, a nation or whatever. And so they, and I think the fathering aspect that um, Dr. John was talking about a moment ago is a really critical component because not that long ago, uh, the whole uh, structure of apostolic networks is very much about authority and control. Mm. I think another thing that confused the definition of apostles in more recent times has been uh, connected to uh, to leadership skill and ability and capacity. So we've seen people that have had, you know, good leadership ability. And we call them apostles where not necessarily they have an apostolic grace on their life, but they've developed great leadership capacity. Um, so I think that in defining apostles and, 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 and looking to apostolic centers, we've got to look beyond just a church that has, uh, you know, is being led by someone with great leadership capacity. Um, uh, and, and so I think those sort of things are, you know, the master builder, the strategist, um, extending. I, I think a, an apostle will teach um, to confront the will and change mindsets. The word apostle in, within the Roman army, the apostle was sent in, after the army had conquered a new region to establish Roman culture. So I think an apostle is highly motivated about kingdom culture. And so they will challenge mindsets, uh, you know, traditional religious mindsets or, or mindsets of secular culture, all that kind of stuff, you know. So, so they're much more confrontational than a pastor because an apostle will not settle for the status quo. We want to see the kingdom of God established, extended. We want to see people mobilized, uh, not just serving the vision of the house, but serving a kingdom vision for a wider expression 
to really bring transformation in a community or regional city or nation or whatever. So, you know, that's kind of the, the sort of way I think about it. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you touched on a lot of important elements there. Um, you know, there's so much, I think maybe we'll come back in a, in a little bit and just try to unpack some of those, but Dr. Russ Moyer, um, you are in Pensacola, Florida. I know you guys recovering in the aftermath of the hurricane mm -hmm. and uh, it's still a difficult time for you guys, but um, you've been leading Eagle worldwide ministries for quite some time. And I know not only, um, do you have a network that you serve and lead, but you've also planted many churches and you've raised up spirit, spiritual sons and daughters. You know, you just wrote a book on a legacy passing on having a legacy by, you know, basically having spiritual posterity. And one of the things that I know is really big on your heart, just because of our conversations is um, developing that apostolic culture and uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the church you call it in pensacola the dwelling place is really you even refer to that as an apostolic center is is that correct would that be fair to say uh we do and first i, I believe in the local church i believe god has a heart for the local church mm. and he's not going to abandon local church i believe that the local church is actually the centerpiece in an apostolic resource center, that it needs a strong, healthy local church at its core. And uh, we birthed probably nine churches, and four of them have have grown into apostolic resource centers, and uh, they all have a kingdom. Every church that we've been involved in begins with a kingdom culture and kingdom mindset, uh, which with a mission's heart. Uh, for both domestic and foreign missions, outreach-oriented and things like that. But looking at the bigger picture of the kingdom and trying to, um, to, to view things differently than local churches naturally do. But I believe in the local church and that a healthy local church should be at the core. There are a number of things that you can see and recognize in apostolic resource centers. You know, um, I guess it was John Burby was talking about John Kelly. And uh, I guess we both, our first church, or pioneered our first church in 2000. And then in 2002, actually, we started that concept, uh, the model that God gave us for resource centers and apostolic centers. John and C. Peter Wagner um, came and credentialed us and, and commissioned us uh, into the apostolic. And something amazing began to happen when the teaching and understanding and the anointing all came together. Um, there, there is something different about an apostolic center, but it includes a local church and a local focus. Uh, I believe that in the same place that we are bringing healing and restoration to the family of God in the local church, we are also equipping the army of God. And a true apostolic resource center is about equipping, empowering, enabling, and launching people into their destiny and calling. It's a support role. It's the upside-down kingdom. And if you're legitimately apostolic, you're on the bottom. The leaders are on the bottom, and the, and God's people are on the top, and we're launching them into their destiny. And uh, we're to be walking with and working with them, equipping them with everything they need to be effective wherever it is God planted them. Many, of course, are in marketplace ministry positions as well, involved in government and teaching. We believe in the priesthood of the believer, that everyone that, that knows Jesus Christ as Lord of ministry was birthed in them. And uh, they're, they're a priest and a king unto God through Christ Jesus. So we begin to find out the gift of God, the call of God, the cry that's on their heart, the vision that God's given them. And our job is to equip them and empower them, enable them, and launch them. Some of the things you'll see in an apostolic resource center that you might not see in a local church, uh, you, you're going to see schools of the spirit where there'll be um, equipping and empowering and um, imparting the gifts of the spirit, a safe place for them to operate in the gifts of the spirit. You'll see a mission focus 
rather than the church focus. You'll see it's about the kingdom and about reaching out and touching others, but very missions oriented. You'll also, and what we found in our apostolic centers is that we developed apostolic councils. Uh, rather than what some people would consider a board of directors, and they do serve in legal capacity in some of those ways as well. But we believe that it's meant to be an apostolic council where we get the vision of God uh, for that particular region, that place, that work, and, and then we all work together. That council works together. And I, I try to pick people who have different giftings and callings and put them together in the council, and we work together as a team. We also have started apostolic business and wealth uh, seminars and sessions. My wife and I both came out of the business arena and the marketplace, and uh, we believe in developing uh, businesses, and uh, not just Christians going to work, but ministers who know that they're called and have been positioned by God in that place to be effective to advance the kingdom of God. And we believe that not just the local church, but every apostolic center needs to be a place where prayer is at the utmost importance. And we have an apostolic prayer team, and each one of our local churches have prayer teams. We unite with other prayer teams internationally. Uh, my root gifting is that of the prophetic uh, and I believe that every apostle has probably a root gifting and calling, whether it's as a teacher or a pastor or whatever. But being prophetic, uh, I believe that any true prophet or prophetic voice or any true fivefold minister, before they're anything else, must be an intercessor, must be willing to stand in the gap. They must have a heart for prayer, intercession, intimacy with God and to raise up and to launch other people into that relationship with God that actually builds them in discipleship and mentoring. And I believe that that's part of what apostolic centers do is that they take people back to their foundation and they disciple them and mentor them and raise them up into their gift and calling. Uh, many of them and uh, have outreach centers like in our, in Hamilton, we have about we feed about 220, 240 people a day uh, at an outreach center in Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah. And uh, we also have places where there, we have healing rooms and deliverance and um, inner healing teachers and groups that provide group inner healing because the body of Christ is hurt and wounded. And these apostolic centers need to rebuild and to bring healing and restoration to people. There's some of the things that you'll see as the fruit of an apostolic resource center. Again, I have local churches that they, they were apostolically birthed, uh, but, and with a kingdom vision, and they have a heart to equip and empower, but I wouldn't consider them apostolic resource centers. There may be a lot of churches in a region, in an area, or in a network, yeah, but not all of them are going to be actually apostolic resource centers. You'll see in those centers, God will begin to birth different things out because the basic foundational uh, fruit that you'll see of the apostolic is that they birth and build. They naturally birth and build. Yes, they create strategies with God and seek him for revelation of how to in a particular region, but birthing and building comes natural to them. So you'll see different things that will be birthed right out of that same local church. I believe, it, again, that at the core of every true and effective apostolic resource center, you need to have a local church. It doesn't have to be big. It has to be healthy. It has to be strong. Uh, it needs to have a focus on equipping and empowering and launching people into their destiny. That's great. Wow, thank you. Appreciate that. So um, I'm going to go to, to Dr. Larry Titus, and I just want to say to uh, Larry, you know, you've been a pastor for a long time. You've traveled a lot, and uh, it seems to me that you're doing things a little bit differently <laughs> in this season of your life. And um, why don't you just talk about, you know, what the, has the Lord been saying to you about 
reaching people with the gospel. And I mean, ultimately, that's the most important thing, right? Matthew 24, 14 talks about the gospel, the kingdom preached to the nations as a witness, and then the end will come. So you, I know we've been talking about people not coming back to church. Um, yeah, what, what's going on and what's the solution? Well, I've heard uh, the same statistics as you. Barda statistics are fairly pessimistic, but they could be accurate. I don't know. Only okay. Jesus knows it's his church. Yeah. I think the, um, for decades, we've, um, the church has remained in the church. Instead of becoming a go gospel, we became a come gospel. Wow. And uh, consequently, that plus the fact that we have not had the kingdom message has been a major detriment to evangelize in the world. So the vision has got to be global. Uh, the church grows fastest in the world where there is no building. So in those areas where there's no, there is no building, it grows. As the missiologists say, it's like a rabbit growth as compared to an elephant growth where you have to have buildings. Wow. So with this COVID crisis, it sort of forced us as the church to get into the place that we're most comfortable, uh, into the public setting where the ecclesia does really well. And uh, I've, I've wondered, I thought for decades, I thought probably it would require persecution, and that may come. But um, uh, in, in, in the circumstances that we find ourselves now, it has literally forced the church to be where God wants it to be in the world. And I pray that we never lose this, even if we go back to uh, our corporate settings or go back to our buildings. I hope we never lose the fact that God called us to where we're most comfortable in the public setting or the place that we are should be most comfortable uh, with the people that are not the blessed, but the people that need to hear the message of Jesus. So the kingdom message really, and the, and the church does really well in the world. And I pray that it continues in that way. I think the opportunities given us now in this setting are greater than anything we've ever experienced in the history of the world. We need to take advantage of it and say, God, what are you doing in the church now? We can't go back to the old wineskin. We've got to have a new wineskin. The old wineskin is failing. It's been failing for decades. We've got to find something that you're doing. If your glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, we want to find out what you're doing right now, right now, requiring, as they say, prayer and intercession absolutely critical there will be no kingdom message without prayer and intercession and i believe that we can find that the that the people are already there being positioned or having been positioned by the holy spirit to take jesus into the marketplace and i believe that accompanying this will be signs and wonders and miracles and everybody rather than just a few clerics everybody will be anointed of the holy spirit of god fulfilling not only the will of the prayer of jesus but a mandate that cannot be done otherwise to take the gospel of the kingdom into all of the world, and then he will return. So I believe that this is an opportunity for freshness and fresh things are happening. And I pray, God, let us be leaders in this, not spectators, but we want to be leaders in this. We want to be in the now of the pouring out of your glory before you return. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, I was, I was reading today uh, the story of, the early church in Jerusalem, we know Acts 1-8, Jesus commissioned them to go into all the world. Jerusalem first, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And they stayed in Jerusalem, by and large, and Judea as well. But then in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, which is, you invert Acts 1-8, it says that there was a persecution that broke out as a result of Stephen's death. And uh, it says that they were scattered, but it wasn't the apostles. It wasn't the clerics is the term you used, Larry, but it was the quote unquote lay people. It was the, the body of Christ was scattered and they ended up going into um, Gentile territory in the Roman Greco world, eventually reaching and ministering to Gentiles in the city of Antioch in Syria. And then of course, this hand of the Lord was with them. There was a great move of the Holy Spirit and word got back to the apostles in Jerusalem. They sent up Barnabas. Barnabas validated it. This is a real move of God. And then he sought for Saul, who would be called Paul, of course. And they went there. And for a year, they discipled these people, these new believers. And uh, we, we read in Acts 13 about the uh, prophets and teachers in the church. And we see very clearly 
that these were a multi-ethnic um, people. You know, there were people from, uh, there were Jews, there were people from North Africa, there were, there was uh, Cyrene Sy um, Niger, Lucius, who was, some scholars say, from what is modern-day Nigeria. And, you know, it literally started um, uh, sending Paul out with Barnabas the first time. Later, when he came back, he went out again. This second time, he took a larger team with him. And uh, yet, even uh, the size of his team was much larger the second time. He ended up leaving his key leaders in these cities and these places to basically pastor these churches. And he ends up in Corinth, and that's the darkest place in, in you know, that region in Achaia. And he's there, and he's all by himself. He doesn't have any other leaders or team members with him. And he's thinking, probably, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. But the, the Lord speaks to him and tells him to stay there. And the Lord says, I have many people here. Don't be afraid. No one's going to harm you. And so stay there. Keep preaching the gospel. And he did. And, he, and my understanding, for 18 months, the Bible says, he literally, at that point, made many key disciples. And if you read later on, you'll see that some of those who came to know the Lord during that time, um, definitely like even Priscilla and Aquila and then their impact upon Apollos and then those that Apollos reached that's four generations and Paul stays put in uh, Corinth so he's not traveling going around and he disciples the time he gets to Ephesus we read in Acts 19 he goes to the synagogue after three months basically they they resist him they persecute him he leaves, he goes to the lecture hall of Tyrannus, and the Bible says that in two years, all of Asia Minor heard the gospel. And that's a huge area. And the only logical explanation for why is it that so many people heard the gospel is that Paul was pouring into other leaders. He was, he was raising up and sending out, releasing others to preach the gospel. And so I believe that the church in Antioch and Syria, which at that time was the third largest city in the Roman Empire, next to Rome and Alexandria and Egypt, and, and, and then, um, you know, in, in Ephesus, another major city. Um, God's basically using Paul to shift his focus into that of uh, basically pouring into others, raising them up. And so my reference to an apostolic center, and Dr. Russ calls it an apostolic resource center, I would say that Antioch and, and Ephesus definitely model that. And today, we desperately need to go back to that, where we have people, you know, leaders, apostles, and not only apostles, five-fold ministry, and, and even other believers making disciples. But when we talk about that type of church, that type of um, apostolic center, whatever term you want to use it, what is missing today? You know, what in, in our churches, as you know, Larry just mentioned, there's so many people that, um, you know, have, have left the church. There's so many people that are not engaged, are coming back. So what, what do we need to do, guys? I mean, um, what what's the key here in terms of reaching our our cities our nations what are some of the significant um paradigm shifts that we have to make let me go to dr john burpee and then anyone else who wants to jump in as well well um you know through this pandemic uh i've been very disappointed with the church at large i'm not talking about there's always a remnant and so I want to preface that, that there are people doing it. But the passivity of the church has been very disappointed. I actually did a small message one time uh, about a month ago about the passivity, about the, how the church has been emasculated. And, uh, you know, we, we, we bought in so much into being the bride. And I understand that, that that's not a gender thing. It's an identity thing. And it's very important for us to understand that. But at the same time, we are called to be warriors. 
were called to be ecclesia, which are legislators. And when you look at the apostolic, the apostolic is aggressive in its approach, in its outward, where uh, the pastoral is more passive and that. So, uh, so I have, you know, when, when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Well, the gates of hell has been prevailing against the church. The church hasn't, should be setting the standard. The church should be, be, the, be the model, be the voice. Uh, uh, and, and so there's been a lack in that. And so I believe part of that is because the kingdom message has been missing, as we've been saying here tonight, that we tr- have not truly been ecclesia. I like what Ed Savoso and others are doing. And I think some of you may have already become a part of uh, ecclesia everywhere, realizing that it only takes two or three to come together to really legislate what the divine counsel of God is saying. That's been missing. The other thing is the church has really lost its focus on discipling. And, and and not just discipling an individual, Glenn, you and I have had a lot of discussions on discipling nations. And that's what Russ was talking about. You know, when, when you go to work, you know, your work should glorify God. You're, you're, you know, uh, we need to help business leaders and others, like Russ was talking about, the, the priesthood of believers, that they're priests, they're kings and priests. And you know what kings do? Kings take territory. They take territory. And, and, and so, you know, we serve the King of Kings, and he's all about taking territory. He's all about discipling nations. And the church somehow has become so passive, and the gates of hell has been, been uh, prevailing against the church. And that's why I think we need to have the apostolic influence uh, in, in the church. And it doesn't always have to be... Uh, you know, every church has to have a pastor. We they can be whatever of the fivefold ministry. But the key is, is that we've got to step up to the plate. Amen. You know, I'm I'm doing a lot of what Russ is doing right now. I'm working with medical doctors in Abilene, Texas, helping them to build a like-minded, kingdom-minded coalition of medical uh, practitioners, uh, PAs, uh, nurses, or whatever, coming together to help bring the kingdom into the marketplace in the medical field in that area. And so they want to do that, but they also want to start up, you know, uh, you know, pro bono tele, uh, telemedicine clinics, hospitals, things like that. So they have a great vision, and they want it to be kingdom, uh, all uh, set up with the kingdom culture. And so that's what's that's what's missing, and I really think we've got to keep the we've got to have more apostolic influence, you know. And sometimes it doesn't start with the church. And I know Russ, you know, I'm I'm total, in total agreement with Russ. I pastored for 25 years. The church is very important, but the church at large has lost its way, and we need to help the church. But I have one person that has. Uh, up in uh, Northern Maine, uh, started an apostolic center. I I helped her years ago. She said, I don't want to be a pastor. I said, if you start an apostolic center, you are going to be a pastor, whether you like it or not. So now she's pastoring a group of people. And what these people have done is they pushed her into trying to form that apostolic center into a church. And, you know, when you look at Peter Wagner and Chuck Pierce and some of these guys that put put that uh, PowerPoint presentation together years ago in apostolic centers, you know, sometimes apostolic centers end up being morphed into worship service, preaching, marriage counseling, child care, youth ministry, all of those things that sometimes take you away from the focus. And so everybody has to determine where they want to go, what they want to have as far as operations yeah. and not you, you can't like put a franchise out and everything's going to be exactly the same. Right. And so that's, what's neat about the apostolic is it can be one way up here and another way over here. And people have different focus and different operations and that's wonderful. But now here's this apostle that has a great apostolic center, but now she's pastoring a church <laughs> and now that's causing a conflict. So now she has to work through that because it's pulling on her so much. And you know what? I pastored for 25 years, as, and I was an apostle. I didn't even know it. And so my problem was, and this is where apostles get, get in trouble pastoring, 
yeah. is that pastors comfort the afflicted. Right. But apostles are always afflicting the comfortable. We're always wanting to move them into their destiny, helping them to find their God-given purpose. And most people in those pews have an S personality, and they don't like change. Right. And we're always, and we want them to change because it's going to help them to right. move into what God wants them to do. Yeah. And so that's where the conflict comes in. And that's why some people struggle with apostles, because most apostles, not all of them, have high D personalities. And they're task-oriented, they love people, but they're, they're out there to do what God wants them to do, and they're aggressive, and most church people can't handle that. Uh-huh. So that's why you have the apostolic centers kind of on the side so that they can operate without offending the people in the pews. Right. And also, too, <laughs> I think a, a key component in this, and, and as Russ mentioned earlier, that at the heart of an apostolic resource center, there is a church. You know, people need to be cared for. People need to, to um, you know, be healed, ministered to, and so on. But, hey, apostles aren't really the people to do that. And if apostles will raise up others who have that pastoral gifting, you know, and read, for example, in the book of Acts um, chapter 20, Paul is is about to leave and so he gathers the elders of Ephesus and you know the bible's clear that this there's fivefold ministry um happening obviously in that time but then there's these men that are specifically called elders i believe it's in uh, maybe verse 27 or so he speaks to them about um shepherding the flock to the elders he says shepherd the flock and he also calls them overseers. And so, you know, the, the word pastor is shepherd and overseer, episcopos, and, but he calls them elders, the whole idea of presbyteros, right? So, so there's this place where we build teams, we empower people to serve according to their gifts. And as you even mentioned, <laughs> some of the personalities are different. So let's just talk about that. Um, let me ask Dr. Russ to just chime in at this point, you built teams, you have people serving in your uh, churches and, and people that are functioning in different ways. You have amazing teams um, wherever you are. I've seen them. I met many of them. Let, and how do you, how do you go about that? And, and what, what's your, your goal in developing a team? Well, first I think it's mindset. And uh, when we start talking about kingdom culture and kingdom vision, when we talk about building the kingdom, we're not talking about bricks and mortars. We're not talking about big ministries, big buildings. When Jesus said the kingdom of God was within. So when I build into another man or woman of God, I'm building into the kingdom of God. Every one of the churches that we birthed were people that either came out as part of the birthing team or that I raised up as a spiritual son and daughter, mentored into leadership, uh, or they, when we went to that church, sometimes I pastored that church for nine months, 18 months, uh, as I'm raising up a leadership team and putting them in place, and then I leave and go on to the, to the next work. Oh, wow. And, um, that, uh, that's a little bit challenging, too, because most of us, uh, no matter who we are, when we birth something and we've invested part of our life into it, sometimes we have a difficult time letting that go and releasing someone else into their destiny. And I think if we are really going to be apostolic, it's about equipping and empowering them, putting them in the position. Uh, it's about moving on to the next thing that God has called you to. Um, in our churches, I, I do serve as what I guess people would consider a senior pastor, but that's not anywhere close. That's pastoring is not part of my skill set or gifting area in particular. I'm more about shepherding the horses than I am shepherding the sheep. There are some people who are called. We all need pastors, and every work needs a pastor. Every pastor needs a pastor. Every prophet and apostle needs a pastor. We need shepherds, and we need pastors. But when So we're raising them up and putting them in position, giving them authority and um, 
and power to move in their gifting and calling. Most of the time, if someone comes to me for some form of personal ministry or counseling, most of the time, I'm not really the best person to give that to them. Right. I have other people on my team, on my staff, in my church. Yeah. You know, here in Pensacola at the resource center we have here, I, Mama Hug is one of the people that's here, Barbara Stevens, and uh, she's a fantastic inner healing minister. So if somebody needs inner healing, I can talk with them and pray with them. But if they need real ministry, I need to send them to someone who can really focus on them, someone who's called to that. And I can go about pursuing the gift of God and the call of God that's on my life. Yeah. It's easy, like uh, like Dr. John was talking about, to get caught up in pastoring. And actually, that's probably one of the biggest pitfalls um, that, that you can run into is that you get caught up in the nuts and bolts of pastoral ministry and you miss that apostolic call that's on your life. So um, you have to have balance and you have to raise up others and you, you have to delegate to them the things that they're called to do. I think that's all part of how that whole system works. And the first thing that has to change is our mindset. We can't change anything else until we change our mindset. Most of us and most believers today that are in church on Sunday morning have been raised in a uh, pastoral church mentality and arena. And until, you know, we can change buildings, we can change the clothes we wear, we can change the songs we sing, we can change the way we worship or the way we pray. But, you know, until we change our mindset to a kingdom culture mindset, yeah. We're just going through the motions yeah. until we can grab a hold of the leadership and authority that God put in place, apostolic, prophetic, fivefold leadership, the order that God's established for the New Testament model. We're really just spinning our wheels. Yeah. Yeah, that's Amen. great. And you know, I was just going to comment on the this whole thing about if you're an apostolic leader or a prophetic leader, whatever you are. And then you end up kind of being that square, what is it, the square peg in a round hole? Or, so you, you end up um, people trying to put you in a box because of their traditions, the way we think. But we know um, the gifts of Christ are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, Ephesians 4.11. And their job or their responsibility, the New Living says, is to equip God's people so that God's people do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And uh, it specifically talks about how the fruit of that, seeing the church built up, is um, unity in our faith, knowledge of God's Son, that we're mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, and no longer being immature, and so on and so forth. So, you know, we have um, over 40 commandments in the New Testament that have the two words, one another in it, you know, ministering to one another, loving one another, praying for one another, and so on. And the body is called to minister. It, it actually says here in Ephesians four sixteen, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And listen to this, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So if we are just, you know, people are being passive, they're coming to a church service or whatever, but we're not equipping them to do, as the New Living says, their unique special work, the body's not going to function as it was intended, just like in the natural. So, Pastor Kevin, um, you, you pastored, you know, but... I know you totally understand apostolic and prophetic and, and what happens in that kind of where that pressure is put on someone who's not um, called to be a pastor, but that you have a congregation or church is trying to force them to do things. And, and then the other thing I want to mention is um, clearly the new Testament does not espouse this thing where we have one man or one woman that are a few staff that do all the ministry. That's not biblical. And, and I love mm. what Dr. Russ said. You know, he, he refers people to 
to others. Like, you know, if somebody needed counseling or inner healing, whatever. And, and I do that as well, because I know that's not my calling. Paul said that he didn't baptize people. <laughs> and, and yet today, many, you know, quote unquote pastors, if, if you said, oh, I'm not going to baptize anybody, you, you know, what, what would happen, right? So, Pastor Kevin, let's talk about that. How do we shift this mindset, this culture, and, and you know, so that the whole body's ministering? And, and, you know, what are some of the things that we really need to address? Uh, let me just, first of all, talk about the statistic that you spoke about earlier of uh, people not coming back to church. Yeah. The local church that we're part of has seen close on 50% growth over the time of COVID in terms of Sunday attendance now that we've been open for uh, about nine weeks now. And so, uh, and I know of a number of other churches that would be seeing that in terms of people's engagement. Um, but, uh, but just to go back to your question, I think there, there are two or three things. I think the church has got away from true discipleship which is an apprenticeship model, and we've we've gone to a teaching model that creates students and not not active disciples. And so we fill them with head knowledge rather than taking them by the hand and show and leading them into it, you know, and showing them how to do it. Because um, I many years ago I served an apprenticeship as an engineer, and um, you know, you, you get assigned to a tradesperson and they show you how to do it and then you do it together and then you do it and they watch you and all that sort of stuff. And, and so that was the model that I've always embraced in terms of discipleship. So we, we, we avoid creating students. We want people that uh, are very practical in their ability to interpret and apply theology into their day-to-day -day life so that that's carried into every expression in the marketplace, which I think is what kingdom is about. Right. Uh, I, I think the other thing that's, and, and you know, when you talked, um, uh, Dr. Russ was talking before about uh, changing mindsets, that's a critical thing. And, and that's the thing of confrontation where the teaching has to be, uh, you know, apostolic teaching yeah. is going to confront the will and mind of people okay. all the time. It's not pastoral teaching that makes people feel good, have a good meeting, you know, bless you and go home. It's not about that. Uh, I had a guy on my staff on one occasion that we passed it for, for 24 years and then we've been traveling for the same amount of time. And, um, you know, I had a guy on my staff once, we, we had put some lounges on the platform to do an interview thing one particular night. And one of my staff guys said, I want, I want to leave them on the platform. And I said, why would you do that? He said, because I want it to be relaxed. I said, mate, I don't want it to be relaxed. I want it to be like a, an operating table. I want people having to make a decision before they leave the building every time. I want, I want the message to impact and create change every time we get together. And, uh, and so I think we've, uh, you know, the church generally has become very weak and passive in the way they go about dealing with the real issues of, of changing our world. Uh, I think another thing that's a critical component in that, and that is demonstration and not just proclamation. Uh, the gospel of the kingdom requires the healing of the sick and casting out of devils and that sort of thing and mobilizing people in the power of God. And this is where the whole basis of prayer and intercession and intimacy, sensitivity right. to the Holy Spirit, are just critical components. And once you, once you start to water that down and accommodate people that don't like, uh, you know, I, I, in my pastoring days, I would, would say to the congregation, you know, there's nothing I love more than to hear a demon screaming somewhere because it shakes all the religious spirits out and, you know, you don't want that. I mean, I know that might be a bit extreme, but the reality is so many Christians are afraid of that. They don't know what to do with that because yeah, they've never been exposed to how to walk in that, you know. And so we've got to equip them with authority to bring about a change in their workplace, 
understanding how to change spiritual atmospheres through prayer and declaration and all of those kind of things, you know. So, so to me, those are the critical things about discipling people in a way that's practical rather than creating students, you know. Right. Yeah, that's perfect. So, uh, Larry Titus, just want to talk to you uh, or have you give us some input on the whole idea about networks, networking. I know you really have a heart for that. Um, what are we? What are we talking about? We, you know, again, I'm using. I think the, if a, if a person calls himself an apostle and doesn't network. He's not an apostle, or she, uh, simply because relationally it is absolutely necessary. We are not the head of the church. We're just one member, but we're part of the skeletal script, the the skeletal system in the in the body of Christ. So we're part of the. Uh, body that joins members and that joins muscles and that joins uh, various body parts together and gives definition. And quite often, um, the, even we can use the word strategy, there's, there's very much an involvement by the apostolic. And to see that the uh, organic body Christ moves as a body with every member operating. So there's, there's got to be a networking. There's got to be a sense of this is not my kingdom. I'm not the head of the church. I'm just one member, and I, I have two arms that can be extended on both side, sides to join uh, sometimes even warring parties together. Uh, to, bring, uh, to bring a spirit of unity, Jesus prayed for 2,000 years ago, and we still haven't gotten there. And I think it is so critical. We cannot have unity in the body of Christ unless there's a networking, and somebody's going to be building bridges. And, and uh, so we, we have a lot, whole lot of bridge burners, but uh, very few bridge builders. Uh, it is critical so that um, all of these various ministries, every one of them has contributed. I'd love to hear from the other people, actually, because they've got, uh, they've got uh, wisdom that I haven't heard from yet. And I, I think we must have everybody. There is no unimportant person in the body. And we must be about the master's business of networking, bringing unity by saying, I would like to be part of you, and I refuse to drop this relationship. Yes. Uh, we're going to get along because we got to do it in eternity, so we might as well start now. So I, everything in eternity is going to be built on relationships. We must uh, spread the genealogy of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to fourth and fifth and thousand generations. Yeah. And networking is a modern word for doing that. <laughs> 